Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Shout out to everyone at home. Louisa, good to see you on today. Hope to all, all the guys over at Everglades Correctional. And to everyone who's here today, especially the guests, we're so grateful you're here. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors. And I just want to let you know that faith happens here. This is a house of faith. This is a home, a familia, where faith happens. Here's what we mean by that. That's one of our values that we believe and live by at the local church, that faith happens here. Here's what we mean. Giving God all of who I am is the greatest gift that I could offer him. See, faith isn't just conjuring up belief like the little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, or giving money to say that you have faith or serving. That's not what faith is. A life that is fully surrendered to God to be used by God is a life of faith. Fully surrendered. So it's not, again, based on what you say or what you do or, or what you give. Living out faith is the fullness of all of our lives, every day, in everything, being released to God. Let me say that again. Living a life of faith is the fullness of all of who we are. And everything, every day, being released to God. So I mean, like, that's a more complicated definition of faith. I thought if I gave, I had faith. I like that one better. Listen, I understand that's really inclusive. Like, how do we do that? How do we give God everything in every way in all of our lives every single day? I want you to turn to someone next to you. Tell them this. Say, start with the next thing. That's how we do that. How do we give God everything? By giving him the next thing, the next thing that we see, the next thing that we're holding on to. And if we're faithful to give God the next thing, God is faithful to help us. God is faithful to rescue us through that next thing that we've given to him. And the more we do that, as we do that day by day, as we give God the next thing that we're wrestling, the next thing that's on our minds, our faith will become full when we see how faithful God is to us. Today we're concluding this teaching series, Blockbusters, where we've been looking at these incredibly powerful but like massive Bible stories and seeing that they're all about one story, seeing our Savior Jesus from the very beginning. And today I want to talk through like a, a big blockbuster, a blockbuster that I believe every single person in this room has at least heard of. Today I want to talk through Noah and his ark. You guys heard that story before? You think you're familiar with the story of Noah and his ark? I mean, this is a blockbuster story. If this were a movie genre, Noah's ark would be considered like a disaster movie, right? Like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, San Andreas. We watch these movies and we're taken aback by the destruction that happens to these familiar places to us. But, but why we watch these movies and why these movies are so successful is because they tell a story about a hero. There's one person typically who steps up and when they save humanity, great hope rises. They typically end with like the sun setting with the hero standing up on some mountaintop and you realize, man, everything is gonna be okay. Turn to someone right now and tell them that. Say, everything's gonna be okay. 
I've titled today's teaching, How to Deal with a Disaster Story. And like we've been doing week after week, I want to talk through this story of faith and faithfulness. But it's not simply Noah's faith and faithfulness. This is a story of God's faithfulness. It's not just Noah building an ark for several years. It's how God has been there from the very beginning to grow our faith and to show his faithfulness. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, first book of the Bible, 6th chapter, 5th verse. You can follow along on the screens at home or in here. You can follow along via the app as well. Go to your app store and search for the local church. You can take some notes. God wants to teach us something. And oftentimes, if we don't put it in writing, we forget quickly, don't we? So, Genesis 6, 5, here's what it says. It says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was, say it with me, only evil continually. It has been several generations since Adam and Eve, and they've grown in population, but they've also grown in their sin. The Bible says it was only evil continually. Now today, we think it's pretty bad. Right? I mean, you can watch the news or not watch news or scroll through social media, and there's always bad news to be had. There's always some sort of story that makes us lose hope in humanity. And in South Florida, we're very familiar with this, aren't we? Because it's always like some South Florida man who does something stupid, right? You hear those national headlines, Florida man robs a bank with an alligator. Like, what, what are you doing? Oh, and he was high on honeycombs. What, what, your children's cereal? It doesn't seem to get worse here in South Florida, but, but this, this was a world full of Florida men. I mean, if you think of like the movie genres, this is like The Purge. This is Mad Max or the Book of Eli where every single person, every intent of their heart is only evil continually. So verse six says, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And this is important. It says, and it grieved him to his heart. God's desire from the very beginning was to be in relationship with us, to give us his love. But we chose selfishness and we chose sin. And this grieved God's heart. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that we have a God who is full of compassion. We have a God who loves, who, who, who grieves over us, his sons and daughters. But, but I have to make this very clear. God is a God of compassion, but he's also a God of judgment. He has to punish sin. If he doesn't punish sin, he is not perfect. He is not God. So this grieved God's heart in verse 7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and every creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I've made them. Now listen, right then, the story could have ended. We sinned, God is separated us right now because of our sin, and then that's the end of the story. He could have done Earth 2.0 or 3.0. He could have done whatever he wanted, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Someone steps up. One person. And I want to focus on that just for a moment. I know we're in a crowd of people right now, but, but, but don't ever lose the belief that one person can make a difference. One person living under the purposes of God can make a difference in your home, in your family, 
at your workplace, in your school, one person steps up to make a difference. Genesis 6 it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God chose Noah to build this ark to save the world from this disaster. Now, I know when we talk about this, and a lot of times people ask this question in student ministry or after service, why would God do that? Why would God send a flood? If God is love, why would God send a flood to wipe out everybody? He's God. He's creator. God can do what he wants to do. Now, I know my thoughts are not God's thoughts, but if we're basing humanity on my thoughts, like, I don't know, man. People who park in handicapped spots who aren't handicapped, that gets me upset. People who talk during important parts of the movie, it's like, really? I, I, I don't like you right now. People who send group text messages who aren't on an Apple device. <sighs> Not saying I want to kill you, but like, I may want to break my phone. It, it's frustrating, right? Some of you are looking at me with judgment. Hey, don't, don't, you, don't you put those judgment eyes on me. It's a perfect place for imperfect people. Every single one of us, there's something in our lives that makes us irrationally angry, right? Thank God I'm not God. Turn to someone, tell them, thank God you're not God. Why would God send a flood? That's not the right question to ask. He's God. God is in control. God can do what he wants. The right question is, why would God save Noah? One word answer. Grace. Why would God save Noah? Grace. And what grace is, it's the undeserved, unmerited love and favor of God over our lives. Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. Why would God save any of us? Because of his grace. So I want you to write down this first big idea. God's grace is why I can grow through a disaster. You may be in a disaster story right now and don't know how to deal with it. I'm telling you, God's grace is the reason why we can grow. Not simply get through, but grow through the disasters in our life. We can get better. We can mature. We can handle things in the future a different way. Why? Because of God's grace for us. Verse 9 says this. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Say righteous. Blameless in his generation. Say blameless. And then Noah, read it out loud. See, we read this, and we're saying, you said it was grace, but, but, but he was righteous and blameless and walked by God. Only God can give that. It's God's grace that, that he's righteous. See, that word righteous, that means being made right with God. If I'm not right with you, it takes both of us agreeing that we're gonna seek reconciliation for us to get right together. But we sinned against God. God gave us his way. We said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And so it's up to God to give us the right to become right with him. This righteousness was given by God. And then it also said that he was blameless. And that word blameless doesn't mean sinless or perfect because we're all imperfect people. In fact, the closest word in our language to that word blameless is a word whole. Noah was a whole person in a very broken world. 
And when we don't live according to God's intent and design for us, we are incomplete. We are not whole. So only God can make us whole. Only God can give us purpose and make us complete on this earth. And then it said he walked with God. And this is important because this shows his part to play as well. Again, God invites us to walk with him. My wife, she likes to take walks sometimes, and, and I don't. But like, you know, even though she invited me, that's a, 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 an invitation to love. If, if I don't choose to walk with her, then I don't get to walk with her. I gotta walk with Babe, I'll walk with you later on today. <laughs> God gave him the invitation to walk with him, but he had to choose every day to faithfully walk in the ways and with God. And it's interesting. The Bible says in Genesis that only three people have been recorded to walk with God. One was Adam. One was a, a, you know, a distant relative of, of Noah named Enoch. And then one was Noah. And what's interesting about that is that if you look at their family history, all of it's jacked up. All of it is not whole. It is broken. Adam and Eve messed up. Cain kills Abel. You keep on going down the generations and they get more messed up and messed up. And then you get to Enoch and Enoch put a stop to it for his life. But then you continue to follow through all the way to Noah. That when the Bible says that God saw the hearts and the intent of every person to only be evil always, Noah's dad and granddad were still alive during that time. What is that saying? that they didn't follow the ways of the Lord. They weren't faithful in, in following God's ways for their life. But again, with Noah, Noah put a stop to it. We can do that today. Whatever our family history may have been, we, we, can, we can make a difference. One person can make a difference in our family today. The, the slate is wiped clean with every single generation. The Bible says that his mercies are new every single morning. And so we can grow through our disaster and see something beautiful in its time like Ecclesiastes says. If we make a decision today that we're going to be faithful. This is what Noah did. He said, not just for me, for my sons. In verse 10, it said, so Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, Do you know anyone named Shem, Ham, or Japheth? I mean, these are Bible names. Any of you guys, you want to have kids and you want to name a good Bible name? May I suggest this? I mean, this is interesting. Your kid will stand out. It'll be totally, totally a millennial thing to do. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And so God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So verse 14, he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. Say that word one more time. Now, when we get to this point, talking through this blockbuster, a lot of people have a hard time moving past this because they're saying, how, uh, how can anyone build an ark of that size to be able to fit two of every single animal and all of creation? I don't want to talk about that today because if you do any sort of research, you'll find that even non-Christian scholars agree that according to the, 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 the blueprint that the Bible gives for this ark, you could fit far more than two of every kind of animal on planet Earth and insect and creepy crawling and birds. 
And the fact that it took Noah 120 years to build it, I mean, that says a lot. I can't build anything from Ikea. I can barely pronounce Sturgen, Sturgen, Like, I don't know what the drawer is called, but you give me 120 years, I'm, I'm gonna build something good, right? So I don't wanna focus on that part. You can do your research for that. I wanna focus on that word that we just read. The Bible says that the ark was covered with pitch. And that's such a strange word because whenever we see that in the New Testament, it's the word kafar. And what kafar means is atonement. It means a covering of God's grace. What a strange thing to say. God says, I want you to cover the ark with my grace. That's like saying, I want you to open the front door with joy. I want you to chop down the tree with happiness. What does that mean? Why, why would God use such a weird word? Because this story isn't about Noah saving. The story's about Jesus. We are saved by the grace of God through Jesus. We are protected. We are covered by God's grace through Jesus. And then it continues to talk about Jesus because the Bible says that there was a door on the ark. And this is the most important part of the ark. There's one door. There's not a door for the giraffes and a door for the alligators and a door for the hippopotamuses. There's one door in and one door out. Just like Jesus is the one way to our heavenly father. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other way to our heavenly father than through Jesus. He made the way to set us free forever. But, but the story is not just about our forever, it's about our today. Genesis 7, 11, it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were open. And for the very first time, rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Say 40 days, 40 nights. On that very same day, Noah and his sons, again, great names, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they, they entered in with Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons, and they entered into the ark, and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature that went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life, verse 16, and those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded him, and then it's says this. It says, the Lord shut him in. Noah was like, hurry up everybody. Okay, is this the last one? All right, the little, the little ants go through. Okay, now the door is closed. Noah didn't close the door. The Bible says God shut the door. And for some of you today, we love when God opens doors, right? God's a God of open doors, but we have to understand he's also a God of shut doors. What do we do when God shuts the door? We love walking through the open doors. We love the new opportunities. But God directs us and guides us oftentimes by closing the door. What do we do when he closes the door? Do we trust him? Do we say, you've been faithful to lead me thus far? Or do we try to kick down the door? Do we fight to get back in? God shut this door and no. And to make matters even more interesting, verse 10 says that the door was shut and then seven days later, it started to rain. Could you imagine being on that boat? You're inside, it's dark, it's dank, it smells terrible. And you're wondering, when, when is the rain going to come? 
I don't, I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. The only thing I hear is everyone outside making fun. I don't know why God waited seven days. I don't know why God waits in our lives, but he does, doesn't he? We'll commit to him and we'll say, God, I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. And, and God brings us in and he shuts the door behind us and we wait. And we wonder, when are you gonna do what you said you would do? I mean, Noah's human just like us. Noah had to be feeling this pressure. I'm waiting right now, God. I trust you. I believed you at your word. And now nothing is happening. How did Noah get through that? The same way he got through everything else. By giving God the next thing. By trusting God with that day to day to day. And again, as we are faithful to give God the, the next thing that we see, the next thing that we're holding on to, the next thing that we hope for, God is faithful to get us through it. God is faithful to grow us through it when we give him the next thing. I want you to write this big idea down, and this is for someone today. Even when I'm waiting, God is faithful to never stop working. Like the song we sang, even while I'm waiting, God, you're still working. You never stop working. You never stop doing what you want to do for my good and your glory. The rain hasn't started yet. The flood has not risen yet. What are you doing, God? And God is working. But God works and waits according to his timing. Again, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that he makes all things beautiful in its time. You may be waiting right now and it may not be beautiful. It may feel like a disaster. But if we do not lose faith in God's faithfulness, how he has been faithful to get us here, to bring us where we're at, to close the door, to bring the animals. How does this even have God's faithfulness? If we are if we continue to put our faith in God's faithfulness, our faith will continue to grow. As we give God the next thing, our faith will continue to grow and we'll get through this strengthened. This is a story about faithfulness. God has been so faithful. You know, as I was, I was studying Noah, there, there's so much that we left on the, the cutting board because for lack of time, but, but one of the things that impressed me the most about Noah was his faith. I mean, he really, every day, he gave God the next thing. He just trusted him with everything, and God continued to show himself faithful. Every day, Noah is a story of faithfulness. How long was he in the ark? Do you remember? How long was Noah in the ark? 40 days is wrong. We think he was in there for 40 days. Oh, we, we can do 40 days. I can do the 40-day fast. You know, it's like P90X, but half of it. I've done P90X, sort of. I, I, can, I can do 40 days. No, listen. Genesis 7 said that Noah got on the ark on the 17th day of the second month. And then it rained for how many days? 
And then Genesis 8 says that Noah got off the boat, listen to this, on the 27th day of the second month. Same month, 10 days in between, but it rained for 40 days. Noah was on this boat for 375 days, being faithful to trust the Lord, being faithful to feed the animals, being faithful to walk through all that. Can you imagine that? We live in Davie, and it smells when we go by some cow pastures, but could, could you imagine living in that? Some of you have some middle schoolers who live in your house. It's worse than that smell. The smells of these animals, the sounds of these animals. It's, it's not fun being faithful to listen to them. You're up in the day, and you hear all the geese, and you go to bed at night, but the owls are squawking to clean up after these animals. Every fifth Tuesday on our leadership team, if there's a month with five Tuesdays, we call it a staff play day, and so we play. And so this past Tuesday was our fifth Tuesday. We went to Everglades, uh, the Everglades uh, Airboat Park, and then we came back here, and we were surprised with a bunch of animals. And those little foxes and baby otters, and I mean, just all sorts of cute little animals, and we're holding them. I had like two honey bears, which is like Winnie the Pooh on my shoulder. I'm like, that's so awesome. Oh, the anteater is so cute, and he, smell, he, he smells kind of weird, but oh, it's so cute, it's so fun. And then one of the animals, peed. Literally, like right there. <laughs> Sorry. Or like, someone has to clean this up. We all looked at Andres like, Andres, it's kind of your job. You got to clean up. 